Well, good morning. Good to see everybody here with us at our main campus and also to you guys that are joining us online. Uh, to get you updated, if you haven't been here for a few weeks or if you're just joining us online, we're in a new series called In God We Trust, and I'll just give you the short synopsis of it. Uh, we're doing this series because 2020, uh, I think, brought for a lot of us this idea of who do we trust, right? Or we had our trust in things that were possibly misplaced, and so we need to replace our hope and our trust and get figured out what we need to do uh, to be able to move forward. So if you didn't get to see the last couple weeks, you can go online and watch uh, the last couple uh, messages that we did online, or you can go on our app um, and watch or listen to them on there to get caught up. But today, we're going to talk about the news. Anybody excited about the news? Right? You know what the funny thing about the news is, is everybody has a perspective, right? So it was funny, growing up, I mean, I hate the news, just by the way. Like, I've never really watched the news. In fact, people would be like, you know, we own a couple farms, and they're like, hey, you know there's a snowstorm coming, you know? And I'm like, I, no, I had no idea. I don't watch the news. I don't watch the weather. You know, hardly know any of that stuff that's going on. But part of the reason is, is that, you know, over time, it seems like, this was the first thing that I noticed about the news. You watch it, and I'm like, surely there's more positive things going on than what I'm hearing about, right? Like, everything you tend to listen to seemed to be negative, and I'm like, I don't need to be depressed. I mean, I can find way other ways to get depressed or to be mad. You know, I can find more things to get mad about. I don't really want to watch the news. Then, and I don't know when this started, but it seemed like it got highlighted in 2020, like fake news and real news, and then everybody had an opinion on who was telling the truth. And so depending on which side of the aisle that you leaned, you know, is the news station that you listen to. And you would get crucified one way or the other. Right, So like if you listen to this news station, people would be like, you know, you can't listen to that. They're all this. And then if you go over here and you would say, well, I'm not listening to CNN anymore. I'm going to listen to Newsmax because that's the new thing. So we're going to listen to Newsmax. And people are like, oh, you can't listen to Newsmax because, you know, they're only one leaning one way. And so there's this back and forth of like who's telling the truth to the point where um, the one time I did turn on the news, we were down in Florida when uh, the Capitol thing happened, you know, and so we turn on the news and you watch the news and you see CNN reporting and Newsmax reporting, right? So you turn from one station to the other station and it's crazy how through the eyes of different people, how they reported in a different way, right? Anybody? Is this already boring? Like, I think this is kind of interesting. Like, you watch the news, one person can say it one way, and it's like painted in this picture, and you can change over the other station, and if you had no idea, there's no way those, they saw the same thing, right? And there's no way that they're reporting on the same thing. Then you add in the new type of news, which is social media, right? So then you get on, and people have made their own news on Facebook, you know, or their own news on Instagram, and then you start reading, and then they start sharing stories, and then somebody else says, that story's fake and not real, and then they argue back and forth about whether the story's real or fake, and it just keeps going back and forth, right? And it just seems like, this is just me, so maybe today is more about my own personal journey, but it seems like a lot of people talk about a lot of news, and a lot of times it's very negative, Right? And it tends to dominate your conversations. And not only does it dominate your conversation, it dominates your thinking. Right? Like what you read on the news, what you read on social media, what you see tends to be, and, and I think we can see this in 2020, right? Like 
I think 2020 somewhat was the year of bad news, right? I mean, in all different realms, no matter where you were, it was like the year of bad news. Wherever, whichever side that you were on or wherever you land, what was happening, there was a lot of bad news. And so in that, if you would sit down with somebody and you would talk about the conversation, hey, you know, this is what's going on in the world and what are we going to do and the world's going to fall apart or, you know, the world's going to fall apart until you get rid of Donald Trump and then it's not going to fall apart anymore. You know, there was just this back and forth of how everything was going to get fixed, but the focus was on how we were, as a people, going to fix the problems of the world, right? How bad they were and how we were going to fix them. Now, I'm not saying that's wrong. Right? I'm not saying having conversations and talking about what's going on in the world and debating what's happening and you know, talking back and forth about what's happening inside of the news isn't a good thing to do. The problem is when we don't offset it with the good news. Right? That's the problem. The problem becomes when social media, media, whatever the news that you're getting is not offset with what we as Christians, because this is the thing that I've always said through 2020 when I was reading people's social media posts and I was listening to people talk about, I'm like, I'm not sure that you could say that and read this at the same time. Like, I don't think those two things go together. Like, I don't think that you're taking news with good news and putting it together to be profitable for the people of God. Right, I just can't imagine that we're offsetting. And I would say, for most people, their consumption of news was far more through news on TV and news through your phone than news through here. Could be wrong, but I would say in conversations with people, they tended to get a little lopsided, right, in where people were getting their news from. And so what I want to do is I want to say, you know what, we need to look at the good news, right? And we need to put it in perspective to nothing wrong with, you know, pick your news channel, right? I mean, whatever you want to listen to. You know, pick your social media outlet. Do whatever you want to do at the, end, at the end of the day. If it's filtered through and offset as a Christian with this, then it should all make sense, right? Because we're taking news, filtering it through truth, and then we ourselves can decide... You know, what is profitable, what should we be listening to, and what should we be putting out of our mind, okay? So, in that, we're going to look at Psalms 46. So, if you have a Bible, turn to Psalms 46. Now, it's going to take a while to set this up, because i got to give you some history of what was happening while the Psalm 46 was being written, and or it was written right after the time. There's some discrepancy, but it fits around this whole time frame where King Hezekiah was the king of the nation of Israel, okay? So to give you an idea of what was happening to uh, the, the kingdom at the time, so Ahaz, Hezekiah's father, was somebody who was ruling the nation, and trouble came in. Here was the news, right? The news came in that... If you didn't pay tribute to the king of Assyria, right, if you didn't pay tribute to the king of Assyria, then the king of Assyria would come and take over your kingdom, right? He did it all over the place. And so Ahaz made a decision to go ahead and pay tribute to the king of Assyria and be a vassal state. That's what they were called at the time. So essentially you were a vassal state of um, the, uh, Assyria. And at this time, remember that King Ahaz, being a Jew, would have said that I am a monotheistic believer. We believe in one God, right? So that was the whole Jewish idea. We believe in one God. 
King Ahaz decided to keep everybody happy, you know, inside of his nation. He had many gods. Yes, you could believe, you could go to the temple and you could believe in Yahweh God, or you could go and sacrifice your kids to Moloch on the other end of town, right? Like those things were happening for King Ahaz. King Hezekiah comes in and says, like, this can't work, right? And so Isaiah the prophet went to King Hezekiah and said, you need to turn the nation of Israel around. And the only way to turn the nation of Israel around is to get them to trust in God again. Now, here's how the news thing fits in. So if the nation of Israel under King Hezekiah chooses to not pay tribute to the king of Assyria, the king of Assyria would send news flashes. Like, this is what happens if you don't pay your tribute, right? And so they sent them on stone tablets at the time. And these stone tablets would be depictions of when the, the Assyrians would come and capture a state. And on these tablets, it would have beards being pulled out, eyes being plucked out, um, you know, people being mutilated, skinned alive, impalement. I don't know if anybody's ever seen that before, but somebody stuck on a stick alive outside the edge of a city. So he would, they would show pictures like that and said, no big deal, just want to let you know what's happening in the news, right? So here's what's happening in the news. When we capture cities, this is what happens. But no big deal, just keep paying your taxes or keep paying your, you know, your rent, you know, your tribute to us. And so King Hezekiah now to a city who has seen the news has to make a decision. Everything's peaceful inside of the kingdom right now. You know, under Ahaz, everything's working to the, you know, other cities aren't coming in to try to impale them and, you know, murder and rape their children and, and kill everybody inside of the city. So now King Hezekiah comes in and says, we're not doing that anymore. So everybody that was worshiping, you know, false gods, we're going to destroy all the false gods. We're going to rebuild the temple and everybody's going to go back to worshiping one God, right? Now, if you were in there and you were reading the news, right, and you were reading the news, and you knew that if you were going to go back to worshiping one God, not paying tribute to Assyria, that would be somewhat unsettling, right? If you were raising children in Judah at the time, and you knew that this is what happens to your kids when the, the Assyria comes in and takes over your city, and now King Hezekiah is coming saying, now listen, all you have to do is trust God, right? It's a simple theory, right? Just trust God. I mean, don't worry about what the news is saying. You know, don't worry about that, you know, your kids might be skinned alive in front of you. It's no big deal. Just trust God, you know? Or don't worry about that if your husband was a leader in the nation of Judah at the time, don't worry about him being impaled outside of the city alive and you have to watch him die. It's not that big a deal. Just trust God, right? Now, if you were in that situation and somebody said that to you, how would you be feeling? Uneasy, right? I hope, right? I mean, again, if you're reading the papers, put it in your own context. You're reading the papers. You know, Huntington's fortified, right? And, and you know, we're changing what we're doing and we're going to be different. And then all of a sudden, all of the, the, the special forces, people from all over the world, the most nastiest people in the world, you're reading the news that says, if you don't do something, they're coming and this is what you, they do to you. Would you be like, ah, oh, that doesn't really matter. You know, the preacher said on Sunday, trust God, you ought to be good. <laughs> you, you, you wouldn't be. You'd be thinking, this ain't working. I've seen it not work somebody at where else. Why would it ever work here? Right? Like that's the whole idea behind it. 
And so Hezekiah had a big job in front of him. One of them was with the enemy at a distance, and think about this, with the enemy at a distance, he had to teach people how to trust the Lord. Because the enemy at this point was just something you read in the paper, right? So this enemy was in the paper that they read about somewhere else, but for today, Judah, or the nation of Israel, had not faced the king of Assyria, okay? So he goes out there, King Hezekiah, again, with some, you know, turmoil, changes the nation of Israel, stops paying them, right, to be, you know, a vassal state, tells Isaiah, tells King Hezekiah, trust the Lord, you're the leader. Now, if it doesn't work, you're also the one that gets impaled on a pole, but, you know, you're the leader, you're going to be the one with all the kickback, but you can get it done. So he gets it done, right? And the nation of Israel is now at a place where they're worshiping one God, you know, people are starting to get their relationship back because when there's evil inside of the city, this is what we know. Scripture says you can't worship but one God. And when you choose to worship more than one God, God's not going to honor you. I mean, that's just the facts. That is the news, right? That's what's in Scripture. You can't have two masters. You'll either love one or hate the other. There's only one master and Lord, and that master and Lord is Jesus. That master and Lord is God. Anytime your loyalties are divided, God can't be, you know, God can't do what he wants to do inside of us. So God wasn't able to do what he wanted to do inside of the city. But now God's back, and things are going good. Now put yourself in this position. So now you're inside of this city. You've made some hard choices, Right? Your family maybe had to get rid of some of the idols that were up on the mantle. You had to stop doing some of the things that you're doing. You have to stop worshiping the fertility God and trust God for your pregnancy. Like you had to go back to what it was in the beginning, right? So now you're back to that place. And now you're at this place where you're starting to feel the presence of God. Like life is getting better again. You follow me? Like life's good and God's here and King Hezekiah's got us back on track and we're going to worship Yahweh. Well, then they get a news you know, then the paper shows up. And guess what the paper says? The king of Assyria is coming to invade the nation of Israel. Okay? And so, again, in their minds, they're thinking, well, how far away could they be? Well, pretty soon, what happens is, is that the Assyrian army, 185,000 men, surround Judah, the nation of Israel. And now they're standing at a place so when your enemy was at a distance, hard to trust God, but easier than the enemy outside of your door. Amen to anybody that's been there. Right, it's easy to say inside a church, I trust the Lord until the enemy shows up at your door. Until you got the medical report, until you got the financial report, until you couldn't pay your bills, till something disrupted the boat. Right? Sing, talk, pray, do, trust Lord, make decisions. They told me I need to be more disciplined. I needed to read my Bible more. I'm now in a Bible reading plan and I'm getting all the way through the Bible and I'm doing my devotions and I'm in a men's group and things are going good, right? The enemy is at bay, but now the enemy showed up. Now, who do you trust? Because now you're looking outside of your city walls and you're seeing that the enemy is real, right? And this is what I was saying, which is so unique to me about 2020. So you guys inside of this room, some of you have experienced this. Like, this is your personal story. Your personal story is you went to church for a while and people told you trust God and you trusted God and you built your relationship with God and you're going down that road. 
and then something happened, the enemy showed up at, at your house, you know what I mean? You had a doctor's report or you had a financial strain or you had, something happened, right? And you had to face the enemy and you had to make a decision on who you were going to trust, right? Some of you have individual stories where you've went through that. In 2020, this is the thing that I think is unique. The world has faced the enemy at the same time for the first time ever, in my opinion. In my opinion, this has been the first time ever Christian people have been faced with opposition all at the same time. Because I've said this, like if you are on social media and you get on the voice of martyrs, which is stories of people martyred all over the world, you read the stories, but the stories still aren't in the United States of America. Right? You can read the stories and you can see people are getting martyred all over the world and we're praying for them and we're thinking, this is a terrible tragedy, but this didn't happen to your husband. This wasn't your husband taken out of your house that have left your kids fatherless that was now put into a jail never to be seen again. And it's different, isn't it, when you can read it from a distance? Right? It's different when church persecution, right? You read about this. You could read stories where all over the world, in China and India and in Latin, these closed countries, where people are being persecuted for their faith. And we're like, the persecuted church, we're going to pray for the persecuted church. And we're going to, you know, we feel bad for the persecuted church. And then persecution comes to the United States of America in 2020. Right? And maybe not in the same forms, but I told you this. I still think part of what happened in 2020 was persecution came to the church. And the question is, who did we trust and how did we respond? Right? Like that's still, in my mind, persecution came and it didn't come through beating of rods, you know, where you're getting physically beating. But it doesn't mean that persecution didn't come in 2020. So now persecution has affected the church for the first time on a global scale. So the United States of America for the first time is facing this, who do we trust? For the first time, my faith, your faith, and what you believe and what you sing about and what you talk about and what you do inside of your Bible studies is now you're walking up to the edge and you're like, there's 185,000 of them. And the numbers don't add up. You see what I'm saying? Like, if you were inside of the nation of Israel right now and you knew your army compared to the Assyrian army, which was the most elite army in, in the ancient times, I mean, they were defeating everybody, and you're a small nation, and you look out there, what do you think your odds are? What kind of news do you think went around the nation of Israel? Now, think about this. If you were in that city, and Brad has a family, and Brad, they said, hey, Brad, come up and look at this. Brad looks over, 185,000. What are we going to do? And somebody comes over, and, and so Brad decides that he's going to go to the pub, and he's going to sit down, and he's going to have a beer, and we're going to talk it over. What are you going to do? Right? And so inside of the pub is this talk. Well, you know, I heard... This is all Brad has to do. This is all King Hezekiah has to do. He just has to pay tribute and my family will be safe. And Brad has a family. Brad has kids. Brad has a wife. King Hezekiah, all King Hezekiah has to do is just pay the money. What was the big deal? What do you think Brad's thinking? Pay the money. 
Keep at peace. Keep everything working. Don't allow conflict. Don't put my life or my kid's life in danger. That maybe, so we're back on track now if you were bored about that part. Let me bring you back to this part. <laughs> maybe compromising your belief in God is okay and acceptable as long as it keeps me safe. Tell me that that wouldn't go through the mind of every father and mother inside of here who had children inside of the city. That's no different than where we are today. I have said to you from the beginning, part of 2021, we need to think about is the enemy is at the doorstep and you need to look and you're going to have a choice to either give in and compromise or stick to it and fight. And what you decide to do, think about this, what you decide to do will reveal who you trust. Same with Brad, right? So if Brad's sitting inside of there and his friends are around the table, the decision that Brad makes is either I'm going to trust what, what uh, Isaiah told King Hezekiah, right? Isaiah told King Hezekiah, don't pay tribute. God will take care of us. Or he's going to trust what his friend said around the table. No. <laughs> trust the system. The system's worked for years. Pay the money and nobody's ever got hurt, right? You got to make a decision. Are you going to trust the world or are you going to trust in God? And, and again, it's when the news is relevant, we've got to decide what we're going to listen to. So that's where we're at in the story. So I know that was a long lead up to what we're at in Psalms 46. The Psalms 46 details then, how did it happen then? Now we know the story and it's all led up there and we know the tension that's in the story is there's 185,000 Assyrian troops ready to uh, take over the nation of Israel or attack Judah at the time. How did they respond and what allowed them to make the decisions and how should that affect us? Okay, that, that's what we're gonna look at in Psalms 46. So here's what it says. So Psalms 46, starting in verse 1, it says, God is our refuge and strength, our ever-present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth give way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea. Those waters roar and foam and the mountains quake with their singing. So he says two things. If we want to understand how to live inside of a world that has news that sometimes is disheartening, right? Like somebody just told me the other day, like, hey, did you know inflation's coming and gas is going up and interest rates are gonna go up and if you don't have a fixed interest rate and you don't do and you better buy some gold and some silver and you need, like all these things out there. I'm like, I already forgot what you said in the beginning. Now start over again. What were you saying? Because that list of bad things that just have or is going to happen, I, you got to list them off one by one because I can't keep track of all of those bad things that you just said. But there is a reality, right, that there is news out there that we've got to figure out and not ignore. Okay, so that's the first part. He's saying to Brad, Brad, I want you to come and see what's on the other side of this. I don't want you to live in a false reality. I want you to know that there are problems. I don't want you to hide from things that are going on inside of the world that aren't the way that they're supposed to be, right? So I need you to come up and I need you to see this. I need you to see 185,000 people that want to come in and demolish you. I want you to see it. The same thing for all of us. Like we, There is a reality today. You know, nobody's walking away from this. 
We, there is a reality today inside of our Christian culture. There is a reality, you know, where I told you we're in, a, we're, in a, we're in a phase where people are deciding whether they're gonna compromise inside of their churches and what they believe and what they preach and what they read. Like a lot of that stuff's happening. We're at places inside of our lives. We're deciding whether or not we should compromise what scripture says. And the reason being because we wanna just keep peace and just keep everybody happy because of the bottom line, Christians are all about love and it's unloving to tell the truth. Right? I'm telling you, that's, that is what we're facing. So I want everybody to know, look out there. There is an enemy of the truth today that's coming in front of the church. I want you to see it. Don't ignore it. Don't be like, wow, it's really not that big a deal. It is a big deal. It is a big deal of what's happening. There is an enemy of culture that's pressing in against somebody who will take a stand. This is King Hezekiah, right? King Hezekiah who's saying, you know what, for a long time, King Ahaz got by by just compromising everything. I will no longer compromise my beliefs. I will no longer compromise my faith. I will no longer try to make this fit everybody. It just fits what God says and sometimes it hurts when I have to hear it, but I'm not gonna try to talk around it. I'm gonna stand on this just so you know, if you do, we've talked about this before. This isn't something you haven't heard before. If you stand on this, the enemy me on the outside pushing back against you is not happy when you stand on truth. Not happy when you go to scripture and not CNN or Newsmax, right? Or Twitter or Facebook or whatever those things are. Culture isn't happy when we say, well, listen, I, I hear what you're saying, but this is what the news that I'm relying on the news that I want to listen to. It's in here. Like I hear all that. Like I know it's bad. If interest rates and all those things that that person said, but at the end of the day, I got to go back to something. This is what I'm going to go back to. This is what I'm going to go and read. This is what's going to give me my guiding principles on the decisions I make. I'm not going to make my decisions out of fear. Right? We're living in a world where they want you to make decisions out of fear. I'm not making decisions out of fear. I'm a Christian. Right? We're not supposed to make decisions out of fear, are we? No. Christian people are not supposed to make decisions out of fear. Like, that's not the way that we're supposed to live. We're supposed to live by what Scripture says, and the only way we can do that is go back to what it says. So he says, I want you to come and see, and I want you to see what's going on, but I want you to recognize this, Brad, when you're standing on the edge and you're looking over there, I also want you to look in here, because you know what's in here? It's the refuge. You can see the enemy on the outside, but the enemy will stay on the outside, and you can go back to the inside, but you have a choice on where you want to go. In God's kingdom, he says, I am your refuge. The enemy will always be there, but the refuge will always be there too, right? And you need to know where to run. When trouble strikes, when news is bad and things go wrong, you better decide where you're running. When you see trouble in front of you, you better know that you don't want to be standing up on the bridge somewhere in the middle. You need to go back to the refuge. It's one thing to look at trouble. It's another thing to go back and get inside of the refuge, right? Get inside of the walls and be taken care of by the one that's fortifying the walls, right? And that's what he's saying to each one of us. To each one of us, put it in your own situation. Everybody has their own situation, we can go up and you can look at the medical report and you can see what it, what's on the medical report and, and you can stand there and you look at it, but at the end of the day, you know, you're gonna go back and say, but my refuge, my strength, and my hope is not found in medical reports, but it's found in God. 
You can go and you look at your balance sheet and your balance sheet doesn't look so good and you can look at it for a while and you can cry over it and you can be upset about it and you can, you know, uh, uh, fret over it and you can know like this is real and I probably should do something about it but at the end of the day, I'm not gonna live in that chaos. I'm gonna go back to where my refuge and my strength comes from and it was never my money, right? It was never any of those things. You gotta make a decision, right, on where you put your hope and what news that you're going to be able to listen to. And he says that I'm going to give you refuge. And not only am I going to give you refuge, this is also important. He says inside of that, that scripture that I am your ever-present help. It's not just go to the refuge and cower. It's not go to the refuge and just hide. It's go to the refuge where the one who can give you help with your problems is at. He's not up at the wall. Does that make sense? He's not standing on the wall while you're looking, which way do I go and which way do I go and oh, this is bad and this might be good but I'm in this frozen point of indecision and I don't know what to do and I don't know. That's not where he's at. He's in the refuge and he's waiting for you and he says, not someday will I be your help. He says, I will be your ever-present help. If you come and you're in the refuge and you come to this place, I will give you, and this is what's so cool about the Lord that we serve, I will give Brad what he needs. I will give Mike what he needs. I will give Gia what, he, what she needs. I will give Eric what he needs. What you need through the ever-present help of God is different for everybody in this room. Isn't that cool? Like the God that you serve, to know that if you go to the refuge that he knows you personally and he knows inside of you what you need. And he is the one that's going to give it to you. And he is the one like, and we're gonna talk about this, like there's some things that we need to do, but remember the ultimate strength and power and news we need to hear from comes from God. Like he's gonna be the one that's gonna give us the help. So they're up there, they're looking outside of the city and he tells them, I'm gonna be your strength in time of trouble. Come in here and there's refuge. Then he goes on in verse four and he says this. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy place where the most high dwells. God is within her, she will not fall. God will help her uh, at break of day Nations are in an uproar, kingdoms fall. He lifts his voice and the earth melts. The Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Now, here's another cool part about the story. So at least it's cool to me because I love history. So one of the things that, that um, King Hezekiah knew, he knew that if he went against the king of Assyria, so if he stood for something, so this is a lesson for all of us. If you stand for something, and you get in the game, the enemy is coming. It might not be today, but he's coming at some point, right? So here's King Hezekiah who says, Assyria's not outside of the wall, but I'm going to prepare. So he goes to his chief engineer, Eliakim, and he says, hey, what, Eliakim, you know what you need to do? You need to make it so that we cut off the water to the Assyrians and that we build this channel that goes all the way through the channel of Siloam, that goes through and comes up in the middle of the city so that if we are besieged, you know what I mean, like they stand on the outside and try to make you starve and have no water, that we will be able to survive because we have water. And so the engineering phenomenon, how they did this, so they talk about it and how it happened in history, you know, they had a 
people start on one end and people start on the other end and they started tunneling and to think that they could do this without any, you know, machinery, like this is hand digging, you know, and then tapping, like, do you hear me? (laughs) You know, do you hear me? But they did, they ended up tunneling together to make this tunnel that still exists to this day that you can see that goes through that made it so that the nation of Israel besieged by, you know, the Assyrian army would always have water. Now, why do I say that or why is that important? Because God's always telling you for him to do his part, you have to do your part. You need to be ready, right? You can't just sit around. Like the idea isn't just to sit around and be like, God's on his throne and God's gonna take care of me and God's gonna do and I don't really need to do anything. No, you need to get prepared. You need to start digging the tunnels. You need to start putting in the work. You need to be ready so when the enemy comes, you're prepared. You've done your part. And I think that's, Part of what us as Christian people miss, one, we forget that you actually have an enemy, and you also forget that you need to get prepared for the enemy, and you also forget that there's things that you need to do to get prepared for the enemy. And so inside of this, when, when he's talking about in the beginning, you know, the, the joy of the waters, that's what he's talking about. Isaiah is talking about, look at this. Because you did your part, you're like, they're still out there, but you're still alive. I mean, I, I, for me, this is powerful. I'm thinking like if you can think of the imagery that if they were saying this to, outside of your city is somebody who wants to kill you, but because you did your part, inside is living water, something that's gonna allow you to survive while God is in work. Do you know what I mean? Like God is always working, but it might not always be in your time, so you better be prepared to be, and we're going to see this at the end, be still and wait, right? Because something's working and something's coming, and sometimes we interrupt what God wants to do in your life because you weren't prepared to wait. And it's, you know where it starts? is up here. Like, I'm ready for a siege. I'm ready for an attack. I already know that it's coming, and so he's not going to defeat me, so I'm going to prepare my mind. My mind is not going to get pulled off by somebody else. It's not going to have things that run through my head that's going to distract me away from what matters most. And so he says, listen, we've got to be able to do our part, and we have to understand that if we don't do our part, then he's unable to do his. And so here's what he goes on and says in verse 8. Come and see what the Lord has done, the desolation he has brought on the earth. He makes wars cease to the ends of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the shield with fire. Here's what he says next. Listen, I need you to come up back up to the wall. 185,000 men, days had went by, water was there. They were able to, you know, sustain the siege so far. And then in one night, one night, God sends an angel. One night. They wake up the next day, 185,000 Assyrian soldiers are dead in one night. In one night, the greatest conquering army in the world was defeated in one night. Now think about this, by one angel. Not a legion, not 10, not even the three most important ones, right? In one night, an angel through a plague kills 185,000 men. And you know what they says? He says, now here's what I need you to do, right? Come and see what the Lord has done. 
So you're down here, you're in your refuge, you were, you know, you're in your place where you're trusting God, the water's coming, but I want you to see there is a living God that's still alive that defeats armies that seem like they're undefeatable. I want you to see this, right? And I want you to know that God's still alive, and I want you to know that he's still doing amazing things. And so for us, this is why I always tell you stories are important. Like I think telling your story that God's still alive and he's still conquering your enemy and you telling that story is important to your children. It's important to the people around you. You gotta tell the story. In fact, I thought about this when I was preparing this a couple weeks ago. When I was in India, we were getting ready to uh, go into this place called the Gujarat State. And so in Gujarat, at the time, churches had been persecuted the year before, like beaten with metal rods, some of the pastors killed. And so I'm sitting with John Joseph, who's gonna take us to, into the state of Gujarat. And the idea was we were gonna go in there and we were gonna uh, encourage pastors because they'd went through tons of persecution. And you know, this is little Mike Hill from Monroe, Indiana that has kids, you know? And I'm thinking, I don't know if I really wanna be beat with rods, you know? And I'm not really, like, I think I'd like to come home. You know, and so I'm sitting there talking to John Joseph, just being honest with them, like, you know, I know I should say this because this is what everybody would say. Like, I don't fear persecution. And I'm like, I'm somewhat of a chicken. You know, I know that that's not what I'm supposed to say, right? Like, I'm over here to be the pastor, but I'm, I want to tell you that when you show me pictures of what happened to these pastors not that long ago, and we're going into these same places, I'm just going to be honest with you. That didn't happen in Monroe. Right? Like that never happened in the Methodist church I grew up in. So like this is all new territory for me. And you're telling me that we're going to take a train, an overnight train, and we're going to get there in the morning. And we're going to go out there and we're going to preach the gospel. And we're going to encourage these pastors, which is what got them beat in the first place. Are you in? And I'm like, I don't know, man. So he sat me down. He said, I'm going to tell you a story. He said, I'm going to tell you a story about my father who was in the same area preaching at a time. In fact, he was the one who planted the first church in the state of Gujarat in India. He says, I want to tell you that he got a church planted, then he got another church planted, and they found out that um, they were going to be persecuted, that the Hindu people had come and found that people had been converted to Christianity, and the church had been started, and the Hindus were coming to squash out the ministry of John Joseph's father, right? So he tells a story, and I know some of you guys are going to be like, oh, I can't be true. But this is, why, this is why it's important to tell these stories. So John Joseph and a group of pastors were praying about the persecution that was coming. They looked outside of their window, and here comes a mob of Hindu people ready to kill them. Right? And so they prayed, God, we don't want this to stop. We want to be able to continue to, to do ministry in this place, but we trust you in everything that we're doing. And they sat there and they were praying at the table. And the Hindu people opened up the door, went through every one of the rooms, went around the table, went all the way through the place, and like, they're not here, and walked out and went on. They couldn't see him. Yeah, I had the same reaction that you guys did. You guys are like, is there a punchline? No. Now just t listen to me. If one angel can kill 185,000 men in one night, can he make men invisible so that they can continue to preach the gospel if the God of the universe wants to do it? These are the, listen. 
This is the news you need to believe because you're believing some other stuff I can't believe you believe, but that's the news you should believe. You know why? Because that's the God that you serve. The God that you serve is the God of the universe, the God that regardless of whether you're a Democrat or Republican, still is in control. Whether prices are up or prices are down, still in control. Whether you have a job or don't have a job, he's still in control. We have got to get back to that. I get it. Like, I love debate, and I love all of those things, but at the end of the day, he's still on his throne. And you can't forget it, right? He's still on his throne, and not only is he on his throne, he is the God that if he can defeat 185, and there's story after story of this, right? If he can defeat 185,000 men, if he can do, if he can do, if he can do, he surely can heal our nation. He surely can stand in the gap. He surely can give us the wisdom to be able to carry out as Christian people when the enemy's at the door to not compromise truth, Right? Like, surely he can do those things. Like, this is the God that we serve. And I'm just telling you, whether you want to believe what that story was or not, I believed it. And we went in and we preached. And I said, listen, God, if you can make people invisible, hey, I'm, I'm all in. And I don't know what that meant or didn't mean, but I'm telling you what it did for me at the time. It encouraged my faith. And it gave me what I needed. You telling your story that God's still alive and killing the enemy gives other people the strength to carry on in a world that's chaotic and has a lot of bad news, right? And we need to be able to know and understand those things. So the band's gonna come back up and I'm gonna end with this. This is verse 10 and 11. He says, be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations and I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord Almighty is with us, and the God of Jacob is our fortress. So here's what we know, and this is what we talked about from the beginning. There's enough bad news going around, right? So there's enough bad news that you could read, just get on and watch or listen or, you know, get on your phone. Like, there's, there's a ba- enough of that bad news, which I'm telling you right now isn't wrong to listen to, Right? The problem is when you're also not offsetting it with the good news. Because you know when things get crazy is just that. When we take bad news, not filtered through what the good news is, and then allow God to be God, which is what he's saying. He says, listen, you know the only way that you're ever going to be able to, to trust me? And this goes back to the beginning. You know how trust is built? Trust isn't just built because somebody says, trust me. Like, you all know this inherently, right? Like, just because, you know, Mark P says, oh, you should trust me. Like, why? Like, why should I trust him? Well, I could say because somebody else told me to trust him. But you know what actually builds trust with Mark? Experience. Right? That he gave me a chance to trust him. You know what I'm saying, right? Like, in our relationships, the way that you trust people is through experience. Right? The way that you get to this place where you can trust, the, where, where I can trust Lance is because in experience, situations happen and Lance made it or had the opportunity where now I can trust him. I experience what he said is true. Right? That's how you build trust. And part of what God's saying is, is that, you know why it's so hard to trust God? 
is because you've said it, but you've never experienced it. You've sang about it, but you've never experienced it. What he's saying is, is listen, the only way that, that you're going to be able to trust me is through experience. And the only way that I'm going to be able to show you is, can you be still for a moment and not try to fix every problem? Because just so you know, you can't. <laughs> you can't fix them all. You can't make them all right. Can you just be still for a moment and know that I am God? Can you just for a moment understand that you only have a part, but it's not the full part? Right, because we do have a part. If it's time to dig a tunnel, dig a tunnel. Right, if it's time to do something, do something. But at the end of the day, you're still not God. And every time you try to be, you don't give him an opportunity for him to be able to show that I'm trustworthy. That's what he's trying to say. Give me a chance. Just give me a chance. I am trustworthy. And that's what I want for us. And it's not that you're going to change the way news happens or which station people listen to or what you read on your social media. I mean, I think it's probably always going to be the same. There's a lot of negative. There's a lot of things out there that are just not good, right? But at the end of the day, he's saying, listen, there's good news. There's good news. I can be trusted. That's what he's saying. Come into the fortress. I will be your ever-present help. Be in this place. I'll give you everything that, that you need. And through that experience, you'll be able to trust me. And I tell everybody in this room, listen, and don't those experiences of, of God coming through for you inside of the fortress, tell somebody else. Somebody else is in the same place. I don't know what to do. I'm kind of on the edge. I don't know where to go. You need to tell them, like, listen, the fortress is real. God is an ever-present help, and he is still the God that still defeats 185,000 men in one night. He is still the God of the universe in the midst of a nation that seems like it's in chaos. But let God be God. That's the good news. Will you stand so I can pray for you? Heavenly Father, we just want to come to you knowing that uh, we live in a world sometimes that we're attracted to bad news and we're attracted to things that get us off focus and we forget the good news, Lord, that you're still the God that's sitting on the throne, that you're still the God that provides the rest, refuge. You are the God who is the ever-present help. And so, Heavenly Father, may we, in whatever situation you're in today, we all have our own issues that we're working through. We all have our own enemies outside of the gate. Lord, may we recognize that you are a refuge and you are a strength and that you are still the God who defeats the enemy. You're still the God that's sitting on the throne. Lord, we trust you. And Lord, may we be still in whatever those situations are right now where we want to try to fix them and control them. We need to do our part but at the end of the day, Lord, we want you to do what only you can do. Heal the wounds, fix the pain, mend the relationship. Whatever those things are, God, that we've never been able to do, Lord, you today do those things in our lives. And we, Lord, will tell the story. You can be trusted. You are the God that defeated my enemy. And you are a God that's still sitting on the throne. Lord, we love you. In your name we pray. Amen.
So I think for all of us to end is to have really that settling thing in our heart. Like, I'm settling in my heart. Not only has Christ paid the ransom, he's also sitting at the right hand of the Father. The, the God, that God and our Savior are still in charge. And that we, knowing in a world that's full of bad news, can trust in the good news of Christ. So thanks, everybody, for being here this week. Thanks for joining us online. We'll see you guys next week.